0: Pick something that you know you can do for a certain amount of time that's long enough to go past the point where most people quit, and that if you go all the way and make it to your date that you say, I'll give up by then, there's no downside to making it
1: all the way there. Welcome to another episode of Hyper Presents. In this episode, I talked to Dickie Bush. Dickie committed himself to publishing one newsletter every week for a year. After dozens of published editions, he barely had any subscribers. It was time for him to pivot. That's when he started writing on Twitter and everything changed. In this episode, you'll learn about the power of consistency and daily writing. You'll also hear insights on how to collect ideas and churn out more content, because your first tweet might be shit, but your hundred tweets will be infinitely better. My name is Yannick, co-founder of Hype Fury, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey Dicky, great that you can join us. For people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I'm the uh,
0: creator of Ship 30 for 30, which is probably how anyone listening to this knows about me. It's a cohort-based writing course teaching you the fundamentals of writing online. But instead of kind of learning passively, you put your learnings into practice by writing every day for 30 days. So that's the foundation of it. Uh, It's a little bit over a year old. Just crossed 2,000 students this uh, week and. Yeah, I'm sure we'll dig into a little bit more of it.
1: Yeah, great to hear, man. And so I think you started your Twitter journey a little bit less than 18 months ago. How did you start? Why did you start? I'd been on Twitter for a
0: while, just kind of scrolling, reading, never really posting. And you can back up a little bit to the beginning of 2020. I started a newsletter as a way to start sharing almost as a I was reading all these books and listening to podcasts and all this information that kind of lived forever in the back of a notebook without ever being put into use and so i started a newsletter as a forcing function for me to go and put those learnings into practice just by writing about them and then i was very stagnant growth wise didn't feel like i was getting much out of it but i committed to doing it for a year and around july august i started writing on twitter instead with taking those podcasts and those books that i was reading and just summarizing them and there was good feedback immediately because Twitter is such an interesting place where you can get immediate market feedback on your ideas. And so that was just a flywheel that I discovered. And really the last 18 months have been kind of using that flywheel and and growing and having fun while doing
1: it. What I read was that like the first couple of emails, growth was really slow. You didn't really know what to write about, what people liked. Then after that, you started on Twitter, but the first, 27 tweets or 27 threads, they were all so pretty, you know, they were slow, but what happened after? And I think it's really important to also talk about, you know, what you did in those first 27 threads and what clicked actually after the 28th or what happened.
0: Sure. So that story was really the foundation of Ship 30. I knew I wanted to kind of accelerate my writing feedback loops. And for me, that meant beginning to write every day instead of weekly. The common advice that I was following was, you know, write a weekly blog post, stay on your own blog, own your platform, all that. And I said, I think there's a better feedback mechanism that I could use here. And that was Twitter. So I said, instead of writing a newsletter, I'm going to take 30 podcasts in 30 days and write a summary of each one as a Twitter thread. And I did that for about 27. And the growth was fine. The reason I committed to it was There was no downside. Worst case, I was better understanding what I was learning because I actually had to go and distill that information. And to this day, those podcasts from that 30 days, I think about all the time. They're almost ingrained in the way I do things. And then day 28, I wrote a thread on Balaji Srinivasan, which was a curation of pretty much every interesting thing I'd heard him say over the course of five or six podcasts. Since I wrote every day for 30 days, I was gathering a bunch of data points. And I realized that instead of writing a single podcast summary, I could listen to three or four and kind of summarize one person's worldview. Right. So, this we talk a lot about this in Ship 30 is when you start to write consistently, you get feedback on what's working and what's not working. So, I was really spending those 30 days kind of gathering data points and iterating on what I was actually putting out there. And so, this was. September of 2020, it took about, at the time I'd written 40 newsletters in a row or something like that, or 40 weekly newsletters, and I had 300 something subscribers. I published that thread on Bology. I had published, I threw my newsletter link at the bottom, went to bed, woke up, uh, Naval had picked it up, and it had four or 5,000 likes, and my newsletter went from 200, 300 to 1,000 overnight. So I like to say it took me 40 weeks to get to 250, and 12 hours to get to a 1000. And right away, that's when I recognize the power of writing in public writing consistently. And really, the last 12 months of building ship 30 has been taking that idea and its profound impact on me and trying to get as many people on board with it as possible.
1: I think that's also a really great insight because I don't know if you know Chris Latsuk, who also has a bit of the same mindset. He just, you know, he wanted to share things that he thought was interesting. There was no downside because, you know, he was learning along the way. And if one of his threads took off, that was just a, a big plus. And I guess that's something you did. And I think a lot of people can learn from. It's just, you know, go at it for 30 days, 60 days, a year, but you know, create a no downside for yourself, and just keep going and see where where it all ends. Yeah, that really is my biggest advice to people who ask about you know how should I get
0: started. It's well, pick something that you know you can do for a certain amount of time, that's long enough to go past the point where most people quit, and that if you go all the way and make it to your date that you say I'll give up by then, there's no downside to making it all the way there. So in my case. I said at the beginning of 2020, I'm going to write 52 newsletters. Worst case, at the end, I have no readers and it was a fun experiment. But I say all the time that consistency creates competence. And there is no one out there who has written 52 shitty newsletters. They either write 10 and give up or they write 52 and figure it out along the way. So you have to pick something where you give yourself enough time to learn that has a little downside. And I really think that writing every day for 30 days, whatever it is you want to write about, whatever topic
1: you have, is the easiest way to do that. I guess for most people, it's more like the internal person that has to keep grinding. You know, after 30 or 40 newsletters, if you still don't see any progress, it's going to start getting harder and harder. How did you cope with that? How did you keep going? I
0: didn't necessarily cope with it. I think I had to pivot a little bit, right? At week 30, week 35, it's okay. I'm getting close to that drop to date. I'm not seeing the growth. What can I change? And that's when I started to kind of dig into the feedback of what people were saying, what people were interested in. Every time you hit publish on something, you get data in five or six different ways. It's how many people like it, how many people comment on it, what questions do people ask you? And when you really start to dig into that, it's going to tell you what to write next. Right. Every time I hit publish on something during those 30 days, people would resonate with one of the ideas I shared. And then I'd think, oh, how could I expand on that? How could I write more of that? So it's a way of actually, I think the only way to have slow growth as a writer is when you're ignoring what the market is telling you. Right. Because it really comes from a place of ego where if you're having slow growth, it by definition means you're saying things that the market is not that interested in. And that's coming from kind of a selfish assumption that you know what the market wants. So instead, we talk about ego driven writing versus data driven writing. With a data driven writing approach, you're listening to what the market tells you with everything you hit publish on. And then that's going to accelerate your feedback loop versus this kind of, I'm going to retreat into the woods for 18 months, write my grand masterpiece and emerge, you know, like uh, Hemingway used to do or whatever it was. So that's just my approach to it, where if you're seeing slow growth, you need to start to ask why. And a lot of that should turn internally of like, what information am I ignoring?
1: What do you think is a good process to get going? Because, you know, you published a thread a day for a month. I think you scheduled all your posts in the weekend. So you did your research then. You you still have a day job. I think a lot of people are in your shoes. How would you tell them to get started? What's a good way to do it?
0: I think I'm actually writing something about this right now of, in the beginning, you should follow the exact playbook I kind of laid out, which is pick a topic that you wanted to learn about. For me, that was writing. I wanted to learn to write. So what did I do? I wrote about it. And that wasn't the original 30 days, but the original 30 days was I was just going to take a topic, which was general wellness, general well-being, productivity, self-optimization, all those things The Tim Ferriss Show you know, all those podcasts and said, I'm going to write about them for 30 days. So I think the easiest way to do this is pick a topic you want to learn, go curate 30 articles and podcasts on that topic, learn each of them and distill them and publish your summary or distillation or whatever it is every day for a month. And there's no downside to doing that. It's pure upside and you could get started on it tomorrow. So I think a lot of people get caught up in thinking they need to know every single step along the way. If you told me that when I started this journey 18 months ago, that I will have helped 2,500 people start writing on the internet in 18 months, right? I'd laugh. So you really have no clue where it's going to end up. You just have to get started. And so instead of thinking you need to sequence all the way from, Sean Perea has this great framework of, he calls the ABCs, which is You need to know where you are, which is A. You need to know Z, which is kind of where you want to end up. And then you need to know B, which is the very next step to get there. And a lot of times Z ends up changing once you take B. But most people get so caught up in, I don't even know what Z is. I don't even know where I am. How am I ever going to get started? So my advice is to just get started because
1: the rest will solve itself. And so once you publish that 28th thread, you came into contact with uh, Nicholas, I think. How did that go? That came from a cold email and things started really developing for Ship 30.
0: Yeah, the uh, idea for Ship 30 is a little bit over a year old. So after that, on the back of that, I said, let's get a community together to do this with me. That was kind of super, didn't have much structure, just kind of learned what worked, what didn't work. But we knew there was something there in the power of having a community around you to help you write every day, to learn with one another, to have ideas, bounce things around. And so there was a clear problem here. But at the time, January, February of this year, I knew how to build a writing habit. I was still learning how to write. I was a very mediocre writer, but I was an expert in a specific thing of how to actually get started because that's what I did. It worked for me and I knew how to share that playbook. So I became friends with Cole. So Nicholas Cole, he goes by Cole. So that's what you hear me refer to him as. But he has been writing online since 2014. So he had a wealth of knowledge on all of this stuff. And so we came in contact and it was just kind of the perfect partnership of, he had all this wealth of information. I had a lot of people who are interested in learning more and we combined to kind of mix building a writing habit with writing in general, writing frameworks, all that. And it's been, the last 10 months have been kind of scaling that out.
1: How did the first cohort go? I guess, you know, Things were still a little bit unstructured. Did you already work with the teammates? How did that first call go? And how did you get the first uh, shipmates in? So I really just tweeted it
0: out. And maybe we can link to it in the show notes. I had about a thousand followers at a time. And I said, hey, anyone want to write with me for the next 30 days? I just did this. I just finished up. I had a bunch of growth. It was great. And I mean, the response was overwhelming. So many people were very interested in it. And from that, I learned clearly there's a market for this. And so this goes back to kind of a lot of people would have said, oh, no way I could put this all together. I need a plan. I need all this. Instead, I just tweeted it out. And three days later, we were in a Slack channel spamming essays, right? You can get started on a lot of ideas very quickly, especially with a platform like Twitter where you're right there. So that initial cohort was uh, really just a bunch of dudes in a Slack channel. And I say dudes because I think it was 95% male. And the latest Ship 30 cohort was up to 39 or four, I think 40% female, which we're really happy with. We've made a lot of progress in that front. So um, I say that because it's been a a key objective, but it was really, okay, what works and what doesn't when you have a community of people trying to write together. And so I took notes on pairing people up and having topic channels and all that. So just gathering more information as quickly as possible.
1: And your step B was simply just a tweet about it. Hey, who wants to join me? These were my results. Let's start. And then from that, you saw, hey, people are responding. People like this. Okay, now what's step C? Instead of, you know, what do I have to build? What do people want? Uh, just, Just go. Yeah, exactly. And they told me what
0: they wanted. They were like, yeah, I'd love to do this. I need this, this, this. I'd love to be in a Slack. I'm like, well, let me whip up a Slack and whip up a little landing page where you put your email in, right? All that information came from just getting it from other people, which was easy.
1: Was that first cohort? Was it paid, or was it just free to get testimonials? How did you do that? So
0: it was originally going to be free, but I had three hundred people say they wanted to do it. We needed a little bit of incentive for you to actually stick with it. So it was fifty dollars, and you got your money back if you completed all thirty days. So I was wiring out PayPal's before after the cohort. Like, did you really write? You know, did you miss one day? Whatever. And so I, like, it was so obnoxious. And then in the very next one, I said, "No more that. It's." clearly working, the financial incentive is part of it, and it's been a paid program ever since.
1: Wow. And so you got 300 people in the first cohort. A lot of people were excited. Did you already have the hashtag in place, the ship uh, emoji? How, how did that all go?
0: Yeah, well, that was, again, kind of emergent, right? People were like, oh, we need to let others know that we're doing this together. So the hashtag came about, and the ship emoji was just the way we referred to one another as shippers. And so we threw the ship in our name and it's kind of just organically been a little bit of
1: a flywheel since. It's funny because we analyzed about three and a half million tweets with Hypefury. We did a hashtag analysis. So we looked at, does it hurt or not hurt your growth if you use hashtags? And what hashtags should you use? When should you use them? And Ship3430 was actually in the top 10 of most used hashtags, along with like Bitcoin and marketing and I don't know, building public. I, I, I don't know the list, but I'm going to tweet about that today or tomorrow. It was really interesting. And we could really see that people who were using ship 30 for 30 as a hashtag grew quicker than people who use different hashtags. So it was, um, all right. I mean, that's great,
0: right? Because you have the community with you. It, it is like a built in audience where you get that feedback. That's part of the whole thing is instead of publishing on a blog post on your own blog that goes into the void that no one reads, you're putting ideas in front of people where they're already consuming ideas. And so you're going to get that immediate, hey, this was great, this resonated, right? And so Ship 30 is a accelerant of your writing trajectory, and that, that's why we feel so strongly about it.
1: Yeah, that's good. And I think the most powerful thing about having a hashtag, it's something that's community-driven. So people search for a Ship 30 for 30 or any other hashtag because they feel they're part of that community. They want to respond to people who are also talking about that. So it creates engagement with the group. It's easier than going to a Slack, looking at who shared what, it's just there on Twitter. You do a search and you can, you know, have a list of things you can you can engage with. Exactly,
0: right. And it, it gives it a little bit of social proof that, okay, this is something that people are doing, they're enjoying, everyone becomes just a marketing. They help promote the program because they're having such a blast doing it. And we think incentives align nicely when we were able to do that.
1: And so a lot of people join Ship 30 for 30. A lot of people... I also joined the cohort uh, six months ago. For aspiring writers, like what's the main thing they learn when they join Ship 30? We say it teaches
0: you the fundamentals of digital writing. And digital writing specifically is a term that you're learning how to write on the internet, which is a different way of writing for a newspaper or writing direct marketing mail, whatever it is. So you learn the foundation. So, what does that mean? First, you're going to learn in the very first week how to come up with ideas to write about. I think the number one thing you have to overcome, especially if you're going to write every day for 30 days, is keeping a backlog of ideas. And most people are oblivious to all the ideas that sit in their head, their unique experience, their lessons, quotes, mistakes, all that. And so we help them get all that out. And then week two is all about writing headlines, clearly communicating you know, what you're writing, who you're writing for, what you're writing about. We talk about rhythm, cadence, formatting, whether you should write weekly, daily. We dig into newsletters a little bit. We talk about credibility and positioning. So how can you go from someone who maybe has never written about something, but gets so specific that you're not competing with anyone. You, you're known for a niche of your own. And on top of that, the learnings are great and you get to put those learnings into practice every day. But we hear time and time again, it's I came for the writing, but I stayed for the community. Where we have tons of community events that really connect one another. There's no other place where you can find a group of people, all from a different perspective, where you just had, I mean, I think we had 37 countries, every single time zone, but everyone with that diverse background has the same goal, which is to write every day. So you just immerse yourself in this positive learning community where the great writing and the learnings they all take care of themselves because you're having a blast doing it and making friends along the way
1: yeah i want to dig in a little bit into a couple of things you you mentioned because i think the, the ideation is really important you know i don't know who said it but you know you have to get into a creator mindset be open to things around you and you know put those things on paper what's a good way for people to start you know putting ideas on paper start collecting ideas.
0: I think the number one thing is to have a creative
1: outlet where the very first
0: week of Ship 30, we say you're gonna quickly realize that every single part of your life becomes a opportunity to write something. And what I mean by that is the number one skill of any creative is an observational awareness where they are a professional noticer. They look for ideas instead of when they're consuming something And this is the very subtle shift that happens once you start writing. It's you have a new creative outlet where everything says, okay, wow, I'm on a walk. Maybe I noticed something. Oh, I could write about that. And especially when you have to do it every day for 30 days, you're forced to. So that's the number one thing is to just start to be aware. Now, that is on your everyday experience, but what you can really find is Digging into your prior experience. And so we say that every single person is sitting on a a treasure trove of information that has become almost unaware to them because of how obvious it is. And so we call this the two year test, which is you want to look back on the last two years of everything you've done and think about what problems you've solved. Because the best writing and the best, the clearest writing, the ones who see the most growth are the ones who are solving a specific problem. And everyone thinks, oh, what problems have I solved? But they've never reflected on it so you look back on the last two years and say oh i used to have this problem now i don't. i used to be at this point in my career now i'm here and then that experience you can dive into a thousand different ways so that's really the foundation of of everything we do is look back on the last two years of what you've learned and then start to share those ideas
1: interesting i usually you know listen to podcasts a little bit same as what you did try to you know Put things to a different perspective, but it's, I think it's also a really great idea to look back. What did I accomplish the last two years? Can be really broad. Yeah, that's a good one. So, next thing you mentioned headlines. Now, we're, we're all on Twitter. Ship30 is mostly, you know, it's all Twitter peeps publishing on Twitter. Thread hooks, stuff like that. That's really important to get people to read your things. What can people learn from that?
0: Oh man, I think we need...
1: We need longer than this podcast
0: to dig into everything you could write about a headline. But the thing with a headline is you want the reader to make a choice whether this is for them or not. And so we say it's for who so that is a great headline formula. The number one thing you can do when you write a headline or any kind of hook is clear, not clever, where on the internet, you're not competing with other writers. You're competing with TikTok and Netflix. And what that means is your reader has a very, very short amount of time that they're willing to be confused. And your ideas of, oh, I'm going to have this clever headline called dreams in the woods or a slow midnight. The reader is going to look at that and immediately say, I'm confused. I'm gone. What is this? Yeah. And so instead you want to clearly say, what is this? Who is it for? And what is it doing for me? So that that's really it, one of the foundations of of our headlines. Now there's a ton you can dig into with kind of painting a moment in time where people if you look at a lot of very popular threads and headlines they'll start with in 1982 or some moment in time that makes you want to grab like a warm cup of tea and a blanket because you're going being tossed into a story somewhere. So that's another easy one and then the rest is just kind of a simple open loop where You present something somewhat surprising and then say, here's how I'm going to explain it, where here's where you are, here's where you're going to end up, and then keep reading to see how to get there. It's hard. These frameworks are a lot easier to visualize when you see good ones. And so we have some swipe files within Trip30 of like, here's people doing this well. And once you see it, you'll see it everywhere.
1: I want to dig a little bit deeper into your Twitter growth because, you know, after like a year or so, you gained, I think, 40,000 followers. It took a while to get to your first hundred and then your first thousand. What happened after that? Because did you keep writing? How did the community of Ship 30 flow into that?
0: Yeah, it's really just been a game of consistency. I've written at least one or two threads every week for the last year. And it's every single time I learn a little bit more about what works and what doesn't work. And making sure i'm providing value to people and solving a specific problem with everything i write that's really my simple framework i sit down and say who am i writing to what problem am i solving why is it a problem and then i try every single time to write for one person i call this pinpoint write, which is you pinpoint the exact person you're writing for what value you're providing them and what benefit you're unlocking for them and then the rest writes itself It's easy to get caught up in like, oh, how do I grow as a writer? It's the same way that any product grows. The easiest way to grow as a product is to solve a problem really well for a customer where they're going to go tell everyone else. So as a writer, you should take that same approach of if I solve a problem for someone, they're going to go tell everyone about it. And then I don't even have to worry about distribution or marketing or whatever it is. So you focus on what problem am I solving? Who am I solving it for? How can I solve it and then put it in front of them? And that's really all I've been doing on the last year of Twitter is saying, hey, follow me to learn how to write effectively, copywriting, storytelling, you know, digital leverage in
1: general. And every week I try to sit down and provide that bite. I think when you look at your timeline, you do two things really well. You create great threads, but you summarize what you, your past work. And so your most recent thread, which is a couple hours old, is, you know, seven threads to help you win others. To your way of thinking, through clear writing and compelling story storytelling, that's basically the only thing you really added was, you know, a hook to get people in. You already had all the content. You added, of course, some a bit more context to the content to all your or all your tweets. How did you come up with something like that? What can people learn from that? How can they do them, that themselves? The thing that's hard with Twitter
0: is it, it doesn't index your Past content very well. So you write a lot of things and you'll have growth from it. But so say you go from 40,000 to 80,000 followers, half your following has never seen anything that you've published before they all started following you, right? So you need to find creative ways to say, hey, I'm not just writing new things. Here's things I've written in the past without just going and retweeting them. So one, this is doing again, solving a problem by, hey, I just followed Dickie. What does he actually write about? Boom! I summarize that concisely in a thread where you can bookmark it and go dig into it. Right, so that's helpful. That's why people find it valuable. So if you're sitting on a ton of content and have been writing for a while, think about ways that you can repurpose it, remix it, and repackage it. And that's going to save you a lot of time in the long run too.
1: And so the other thing you're doing is just consistently churning out new content, new threads. Runs through one of the threads that you published. I don't know last week. Just take us through how you. Creative. So I'll run you through my thread on Pixar
0: storytelling. And this was now my second most popular thread. And it came from, I saw a tweet scrolling through Twitter of someone posted a screenshot of Pixar's rules for storytelling. And it was 20 of them. And I said, wow, that's really cool. How could I add more context to these rules? How could I put them in a more digestible way? How could I explain why those rules are valuable for An entrepreneur or a business builder or a solo creator, whatever it is. And then I just took those 22 rules, added some context to every one of them of how you could implement this as this person, this person, this person. So really all I did was take something and then add a new lens or context to it to make it specific to a group of people. And then you have a completely new thing, right? If you could apply these 22 rules of storytelling to a digital artist or a you know a politician but i said this is for entrepreneurs and business builders and that's a completely different reframe and that level of specificity was why it took off because everyone who came across it said am i one of these people yes or no if no i'm going to keep going if yes this is for me wow this is really valuable now i'm going to reciprocate you know retweet it or share it or whatever it is
1: i think one of the things that Popular threads all have in common is that not just the headline gets retweeted a lot, but also all the subsequent tweets. How do you structure them so a tweet in itself is interesting enough to retweet, comment, like?
0: Yeah, sometimes some threads work better for this if you're writing like a list of things, making them standalone where people can interact with them individually. And I think. That's getting super tactical. I don't think you need to get too caught up in it, but I do try to make it where if I, if someone were to see this tweet kind of taken out of context, would it still make sense? That's going to work for some threads, but some that are like a story, obviously that's not. But like a list of things, this one was great. There are a couple in there that were retweeted very heavily that were interesting. And this, again, goes to the data-driven writing approach. I actually went and looked at what were the most popular rules from that Pixar thread. And that's going to inform what I'm going to write next. I'm going to dig into this thing called the story spline, which is Pixar's little, I don't know the, the right word for it, but it's like a fill in the blank for how to write a story very quickly. It's like once upon a time there was blank, but then there was blank and then blank until they tried blank. And now they're blank or something like that. Right. And so that's very cool. People resonated with that. And the market told me, wow, this is a novel, interesting idea. Now, how can I dig that deeper again? and put it in front of the right people.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because that single tweet got also a lot of retweets. You know, if you tweeted just that thing, you will probably, you know, happy with the engagement that single tweet got. And it's interesting that from that thread, because of the engagement that single tweet got, you have another idea to create content for.
0: And that's the endless flywheel, right? Every single thing you write becomes a data point for you to write more about. Right, it's why you should just get started if you're thinking about it, because the market's going to tell you what you should write
1: next. For people who don't have as many followers as you, what's a good way to get started on Twitter? I know you also contact a lot of people that you wanted to be, that you aspire to be. How did that go when you first got got started? And what tips do you have for people who are now only at hundred followers?
0: I would say we kind of talked about that playbook earlier. It's you need to start writing a lot. I would say don't be a reply guy. Don't spend time like trying to time people's replies and answering and all that. I think some are good natured, but some end up just kind of being a little annoying because it's you're clearly just almost hijacking in a way. I think the number one way to grow on Twitter is to write effective threads and make solve a specific problem. And I almost feel like not repeating it because if you go out and do that, it's going to take care of itself. So you pick something you're interested in, start writing about it and start getting it in front of people who are going to
1: find it interesting as well. All right, man. This was a lot of fun. Uh, Where can people uh, find you and what are you working on? So if you want to find me again, you can find me on Twitter at
0: Dickie Bush, D-I-C-K-I-E-B-U-S-H. If you want to get started writing, go to startwritingonline.com. It's our 13,000 word ultimate guide that'll take you through just about everything we talk about in Ship 30, but a little sneak peek of everything, obviously not all the way through, but it's enough to get you started, hence why it's startwritingonline.com. That'll be the ultimate guide, a little walkthrough email course. And that's it. My DMs are open on Twitter. If you have any questions ever, hit me up. I'd love to chat. And if you're interested in hopping aboard the next cohort, the Ship 30 next one is January, 2022. So if you're looking to kickstart the new year, with a nice 30-day habit. We'd love to have you. Cool. Thank you, Vicky. Thank you. All right, Yannick, have a good one.
1: That's a wrap on this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next show. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave an iTunes review and give us a shout out on Twitter, sharing your favorite part of this episode. See you again next week.